lucky few podcast listeners have we got a treat for you. Let's get right to it. Time to shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Today, we have the fantastic Robin Patterson on the podcast. Let me just tell you who Robin is. Robin is the producer of the hit Netflix series, Down for Love. You guys heard about it here, Down for Love. If you Well, probably not. You probably heard about it before here, but we've talked about it here already. Hopefully you've watched the show. We are so excited to chat about the impact of shows like Down for Love, the importance of storytelling and advocacy, and so much more. Let's get right to it, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. friends, Micah here. When Ace was around one, I started to worry about the future. I worried about how to even know where to begin in saving for him. When you have a child with a disability, how do you even start to think about saving money for that child's entire life? It can feel overwhelming and terrifying. That's why Enable Special Needs Planning exists. They provide families with simple solutions and a unique approach to special needs planning. Find out more at enablesnp.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Able Now, tax advantage savings accounts for eligible individuals with disabilities. Ready to learn more about ABLE accounts? With ABLE Now's live webinars and online resources, you'll discover the advantages of ABLE accounts and the National ABLE Now program. Hear directly from experts as they answer your questions about this new financial tool for people with disabilities in all 50 states. Register for an upcoming webinar and learn more about Able Now accounts at the ablenow.com. ablenow.com. Okay, before we hear from Robin, let's read another one of your very kind reviews. This review comes from Ellie, who says, I can't even begin to describe what this podcast means to me. I've listened now for about two years, and this group of mamas and everyone they bring along to educate and advocate for our children with Down syndrome has given me so much comfort and friendship. Thank you for the work you do. Ellie, thank you for listening for the last two years. Thank you also for leaving this review. Friends, if you are a listener for two years, two episodes, or five years, we always forget the math of how long we've been out here, but it's been a, t- it's been a bit. And we're so grateful for every single episode we get to do. We're so grateful for every single review that you leave. If you'd like to leave a review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, friends, you might remember on episode 226, we chatted about the hit series on Netflix called Down for Love, which follows several people with Down syndrome as they navigate the triumphs and trials of dating. You know how much we love this show and appreciate the conversations that it started. We know that so many of y'all loved it too, and we are thrilled to continue that conversation with producer Robin Patterson. So let me tell you a little bit about Robin. Robin Patterson is a filmmaker and screen creative based in New Zealand. From high-end international series to indie shorts, documentary to comedy, Robin believes in the transformative power of storytelling and its ability to impact lives. She is committed to promoting diversity, respect, partnership, and equity, both on and off the screen. Best known for Down for Love on Netflix, In the Zone, you can find on Apple TV, Grand Designs, New Zealand, and Finding Mercy on Prime Video. She is the current president of the Directors and Editors Guild for Aorteria, New Zealand. In 2022, she founded production company Sweet with award-winning editor and Paralympic gold medalist Jai Waite. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you, and it's lovely to be part of the show. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Language is really important to me and around here, and 
I want to make sure I said that right and you can correct it so that the listeners hear it correctly um, because I don't think my tongue did it just right. But you are the president of the Directors and Editors Guild of... It's Aotearoa and that's our indigenous name for New Zealand. Okay, yeah. thank you. Aotearoa. There we go. That's right. Thank-, thank you. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Okay, Down for Love. What a show. I mean, we had... as I have So I have two kids with Down syndrome. I have a 15-year-old daughter who has Down syndrome. I have a nine-year-old son who has Down syndrome. I have a daughter who's 12 who doesn't have any disabilities. And as soon as, I don't know exactly when the date was, but I started getting just text messages from friends and family. Like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Because they all just loved it so much. And so that's how I heard about it. I heard about it through, I think really the first person was my husband's aunt. And then it's just so thrilling to get to pull it up on Netflix and watch this show where there's people like my daughter and like my son on a dating show that is done with such honor and dignity and love and goodness and humanity, like all the things that we love. And I'll be honest with you, over the years of being a parent to children with Down syndrome, I've had lots of times where people have said, have you seen this? Have you watched this movie? Oh my gosh, you have a kid with Down syndrome. You would love this film. And then Mm -hmm. I watch it and I'm like, oh, it was just okay. And maybe a little patronizing and... Mm -hmm. Just because a character has Down syndrome doesn't mean that I'm going to want to watch it or talk yeah. about it. So I can get a little bit in main in mainstream media. Mm. I can get a little like critical maybe or hesitant mm. to see what actually like, what is actually going to come out here. Because I think we t- we've talked about this on the podcast before my co-host and I, I feel as though there's been this permission within disability to do things um, second best. And overall, like whether it's modeling or books or media within the media space that it's like, well, we're not going to do it as excellently. And no one's saying that out loud, but there's a lot of content that comes at me. That's like, we got to do better. Anyways, all that to say down for love. You just did such a great job. So in my opinion, my, my little humble opinion. So congratulations (laughs) on a show that was done so beautifully. Thank you so much. It's it's honestly such an honor to hear that. And I think, you know, anytime that you put a show together, obviously you want people to enjoy it, but really so much for us with this one. We particularly specifically wanted the Down Syndrome, the Down Syndrome community to enjoy the show and to appreciate mm-hmm. it and also to feel proud of it and to feel seen by it and um, and and honored by it, I guess. So it, it really means a lot to hear that. Thank you. Okay, so my first question to you is, can you tell us about your personal journey Mm -hmm. and what inspired you? What was your inspiration for Down for Love? Sure. Well, it kind of goes back a step as well. And just in terms of my connection with disability in general, I guess, as I was working for um, the company that, that made Down for Love, I was working for them on a different project, which is a long running show that features people living with different disabilities um, over the years. I guess I have a natural connection to disability through my life. When I was 16, I was diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, although that was later changed to a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. But it connected me in with a whole network of people um, who were doing life differently. And um, not long after that, both of my parents um, became ill and became wheelchair users. Uh, my mother through cancer in her spine and my dad through motor neuron disease. Also growing up, um, my sister um, is on the autism spectrum. So I guess there was always that natural link with disability for me. So the opportunity to work on the show um, felt uh, natural on this on this other show. Um, and then the company wanted to do something in the realm of um, people living with Down syndrome and dating uh, because of some things that had come up during that other show. Um, again, that felt like a natural step um, for me to be involved with. Um, my, sister, my sister was uh, the CEO of a, um, an organization called Upside Downs, which provides speech and language therapy to children living with Down syndrome. Um, so I've been part of that world for a long time. Also, I grew up as a, um, we, we grew up as um, preacher's kids. Um, and there was a wonderful family that we were very close to all through growing up um, in our community who had three um, wonderful kids who all, they adopted all three kids and they all uh, lived with Down syndrome. So that is something that was in my world right from the start. Growing up, they were the same ages as us. We were connected with them right through. So it had always, I guess, been part of my world. Um, 
So it felt like a natural thing to take on. I was very happy to take it on board. And I had some very clear ideas about how I would like to go about that, I guess. And one of those was really taking, um, I'm a documentary filmmaker by trade. That's mainly what I do. Um, And I really wanted to take, I guess, more of a documentary approach to this than a reality television approach. And the difference can be subtle in terms of what you see on screen, but in terms of your production process, um, that really is quite different. So I really wanted to make sure that we were taking um, care with that and wanting to approach things in in the right way that was going to really care for our participants. So that um, that I guess was a lot of the motivation between uh, the, a lot of the motivation behind me getting involved and wanting to to take that forward. That is fascinating. All your touch points to disability in so many different realms. I always talk about how disability is so mm. vast. Yes. And and so mm. every different category is just so different and uniquely unique to itself. But then there's a common thread yeah. that I think can yes. connects everybody. But you had so many different touch points. Mm. Very interesting. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about that difference that you said that for the audience is subtle between reality TV and documentary mm. style. And um how you what is it that you had to do on the back end so that we because I think we're, we're viewing a show that we would call the audience and the viewer would call reality TV. Um, I think it's, that's yeah. what it's called. The show down for love would be considered reality TV, but that I would love to hear more about, about that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the, the genres can be very connected, right? It's cinema verite, it's observational. They're very connected and there's a lot of crossover between them. And there's not necessarily a distinct difference always between them either. Um, but I think what I mean by that is we wanted to make sure that when um, things were happening or when we were uh, working with our participants and um, setting up scenarios, that that was as natural as possible in terms of we were really listening to them in terms of what they wanted, what they would be doing anyway. We were following that natural process as much as possible Rather than, I think sometimes with certain types of reality television anyway, not all, um, but certain types of reality television will really try and turn up the dial um, and create situations which are going to lead to uh, conflict or drama or um, perhaps heightened scenarios. Um, And we wanted to, with this, um, take care that we weren't doing that, that we were really following people's desires, following people's needs as much as possible and going with that. And that included in the casting. So in terms of um, if we would really, we really wanted to listen to our participants in terms of who they wanted to match with as a date, who they were looking for, what really meant a lot to them um, when they were connecting with people, uh, what was going to work as best as possible and really try to find them um, matches where they would, if they, at the very least didn't um, you know connect in a romantic way that they would connect in a friendship way that they would genuinely have a good time um, and be able to connect with that person in you know what could hopefully be um, an ongoing way but at, at least in the in the moment they were going to have um, a really positive experience mm-hmm. our one of my co-hosts mm-hmm. Micah Boyette she when we had our conversation might with my co-host and I just the three of us about our watching it and our experience and opinions about it she had said something towards the end of our conversation about how there's a lot of times with a reality dating show, especially every, Mm. most of the contestants, if not all come to it with so much ego and so much proving of themselves (laughs) and so much of like, Mm. I am putting on a show of maybe not being authentically who they are and how down for love just didn't have any of that. Um, it didn't feel that way at all. And I think that partly in my experience with people with Down syndrome who I know and love, it's just pretty common for people with Down syndrome to to approach the world in scenarios with very little ego and they're just who they are and they're happy yes. to be there. Um, so that that played right, for it, but I'm yeah. also also understanding mm-hmm. what you're saying on the production side that that was that you're being thoughtful about that as well. Um, it's just interesting. And I think, I think we needed to be thoughtful about that because of that. You know, as as you know, people with Down syndrome are out there being their authentic selves and we wanted to make sure that we weren't taking advantage of that, that we were really supporting them to be themselves in a safe mm-hmm. way, um, that we weren't going to, um, I guess, twist the narrative in any mm-hmm. way um, with that. So, yeah, absolutely, you're exactly right. And it was exactly because of that that we wanted to take care. 
Okay, so I want, I'm wondering how you went about getting your participants. And was there like a casting call? Was it your personal connection? So two pieces of this question. There's that one. And then mm. once you, like you were sharing, you wanted to genuinely get to know who someone was interested in. Then like, I'm imagining there yeah. was a second round of, so we have our initial participants. Who do they want to date? And then you got to go find those yes. people. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, there are so many layers to that process and it wasn't it wasn't one single thing. Um, I was lucky to work with um, a couple of people on that. There was uh, a couple of researchers involved at the beginning who worked with me on that, Justin Scott and Daniela Bulldog. Um, and then, of course, once I brought a director on board, because I, I brought a director on board who I've worked with previously. She's a documentary director, so I knew that she would understand what um, you know, I really wanted to do with the show. Um, and she participated in that as well. So it was a combination of really reaching out to people that who we already knew, who might have been part of um, other shows or other episodes who we'd connect with or we just connected with before. So for example, um, Carlos, uh, my sister, as I said, you know, runs uh, or was the CEO of Upside Downs. Um, of course, because they're doing a lot of language uh, therapy, there was a lot of reading and books and they try to, where possible, use writing by people with Down syndrome um, so that the kids are connecting in with people they can really look up to and identify with. Um, and Carlos is a wonderful poet. He's put um, work out there. He's put books out there. So she had um, worked with Carlos. Carlos had done some, some reading to um, some of the kids they were working with and they used some of his poems and other um, events and so forth. So we were very familiar with Carlos um, and his photography work, which was, um, you know, getting attention as well. Mm -hmm. Um, people like that. Lily um, had been doing um, theatre productions um, and uh, Libby, we've got a Lily and a Libby <laughs> and a Lisa, very confusing, um, <laughs> but Libby um, had just been part of um, a, a wonderful film, a wonderful feature film uh, called Poppy, um, so we knew um, Libby through that. Um, so there were a range of ways that we um, connected with participants, but we also put a call out into the community um, in various different ways through the National Down Syndrome Association um, and through other community networks, um, just saying, hey, look, you know, we're, we're wanting to do this show. Does anyone, um, you know, want to be part of it? Are you interested in it? And a lot of people came through came through that way as well. So then let's yeah. look at like Libby for an example. She, you brought her in and then sat with her and said, who, would you, who are you interested in? Like what what is your dreams mm -hmm. for dating and finding love? And then she shared that and yeah. then then how do you yeah. then what <laughs> I mean you, you like get a call out but you're looking for a specific mm. type of person yeah that's right and we sat down with each one of our participants and, and Libby we, we reached out to Libby because she had said in an interview you know she was in, in real life although in the film she finds love in real life she was single and she really wanted to find <laughs> love um so that's why we reached out to her and we sat down with her and said you know look um what, what are you looking for in, in a partner? Who do you like to connect with? Also, what do you like to do? What are your um, ways of spending time that you enjoy? Um, and really had that conversation. And just, I mean, I guess there's a bit of a matchmaker element yeah. to that, just really, you know, kind of looking at um, all of those layers that, that help people connect with each other. Um, and then trying to, as best as possible, um, find a match. Yeah. There's location involved as well. You know, New Zealand is a very long country geographically. Uh, where possible, we did try to connect people who could feasibly um, meet up with each other beyond mm -hmm. the show. Uh, that wasn't always possible, but we did try. Um, and the other thing I think that's important um, with people living with Down syndrome is that obviously there's a whole support network um, around them, often parents um, or other support. And it was important to us as well that the families were able to connect with each other because in an ongoing way, that's obviously going to be a significant factor. Um, and I think you can see where um, where some of those matches were most successful. I won't give away any spoilers, <laughs> but if people have seen the show, I think some of, the, some of those matches that are most successful were partly because there was also a real alignment between um, the families um, and their values, lifestyle, senses of humor, et cetera, and the way they connected, as well as the way um, the, you know, participants connected yeah. themselves. So yeah. that was also a factor. Yeah, it mm -hmm. makes so much sense. And and is so unique mm -hmm. in a dating show because yeah. our, our loved ones with Down syndrome, 
I think at any level of independence, there's a different kind of a support that comes alongside and that involves family. And yeah, like I said, I have a 15 and nine year old, 15 year old daughter, nine year old son. And we're, I will not arrange a marriage. I've, I've joked on social media about like, this is my son's future wife. And it's very much joking and every, everyone gets their own choices. <laughs> People get really upset. So it's, no one's, no marriages are being arranged. However, that is in my head as a mom. Like yeah, who, yeah. who you marry is not just, I mean, that's true for anyone who's getting married or um, committing themselves to a lifetime partner. But there's that extra layer too, yeah. Mm, yeah, that's right. There's the added layer of support, and so it becomes yeah. even even more of a factor. But yes, I think it's yeah. something that everyone will relate to as well. That anyone anyone mm-hmm. who's got who's got kids is that there's always that element, um, yeah. and you know, of family connection too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, as you guys were filming this, can you share maybe some of the some a story or two, either like high level or or in more detailed about maybe some challenges that you faced during the production mm. of Down for Love? There were a lot of challenges <laughs> during the course <laughs> of production. It's it's kind of, it, weirdly, it's one of the most challenging shows I've, I've worked on and yet also the most rewarding. And I think mm. across the board, the crew all came away saying that was their, their favorite thing that mm. they've worked on just because everyone really, really embraced the heart and soul of the show and I think because the participants were having a good time as well everyone just came away with a really good feeling about it so that was you know one thing I will say but having said that the challenges were were many um I think that actually one of the one of the weird challenges that people may not know about is that this actually was filmed in um in 2021 in New Zealand it happened to coincide with um we we were really lucky in New Zealand it was a long time before COVID entered our community um, as an island nation, um, we were able to sort of prevent that for a while, but it happened to enter the community right in the middle of production oh, um, <laughs> with Down for Love. So fortunately, we had actually finished filming the first three episodes, um, but then we went into a six-week complete um, lockdown here in Auckland, uh, so no one could move anywhere, um, and that was definitely challenging it created um, a hiatus in the middle of the show between Mm -hmm. the first three episodes and the last two episodes Um, it meant that we were doing post-production and all the editing completely remotely from each other you know luckily now with you know technology and zoom and so forth that is a lot more possible but it is a very different process Um, so it definitely made it challenging and then going into the last two episodes because of the hiatus that had been created um, actually went in with a different crew, so a different director, wow. um, a different uh, line producer or production manager, um, and that made it challenging, I guess, at my end to just make sure that we were really seeing through that vision and that there wasn't going to be an obvious difference in the show right. between those episodes. So that's all at a very technical level, um, but it probably was one of the most challenging aspects of the show. And then also, of course, a lot of time has passed for our participants um, and so making sure that we were, um, I guess, honouring their natural journey that they'd had in that time. And some of them mm. had been in lockdown as well. So, um, yeah, sort of seeing all those, all, so all of that through. Yeah. 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 Like what would the outcome have been if they hadn't had six weeks of mm. not being together? I wonder. That's so, that's so interesting. And that, that was very Yes, no, absolutely. And and that was very hard for some of our couples who had just connected oh. and were desperate to see each other um, and had, um, you know, six weeks where they couldn't. So, um, and that was interesting for their relationships and so, in some ways um, possibly beneficial because they had that time to sort of sit and um, really consider things and connect on Zoom um, and so forth in the, in the meantime. So but it did it did make it interesting. And then, of course, going forward, um, you know, a lot of our Down syndrome community is a lot more vulnerable uh, to COVID. So we had to um, put a lot of, um, I guess, say, extra health and safety measures in place when we were filming those last episodes to make sure we weren't sort of unduly exposing anybody. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's so interesting to hear the background like that. You said like all the technicalities that made it really challenging because as a viewer, you would just have no clue. And yeah. I guess that means job well done. Right? That's good. That's good. Yeah. That is good. That is good. Um, can you, in the, the cast or, or not the cast with the crew, mm. were there 
did everyone on the crew have a touch point to disability or were there some people that were just completely new? This was their first interaction ever with a person with Down syndrome. There were definitely some people who were um, completely new to it. So I think, for example, of our um, lead cinematographer, director of photography, um, Jake, this was his first um, experience with it. And I think his eyes were really, really opened to a whole world that he hadn't experienced before. Um, he did talk about that um, quite a lot. And um, he was so in love with the process and um, became really connected to some of the participants I think in an ongoing way and had really had his mind open that was useful for us as well because it's really seeing it through the eyes of a lot of our audience who are going to be Mm -hmm. seeing things for the first time and those messages that they're taking from it that we're wanting to convey through the show I guess so um, that was actually quite quite interesting to see some of the crews that are going through that journey themselves as an audience would um, and to learn from that along along the way, yeah. I have a follow up question to that. That if you don't want to answer, that's fine. I'm curious <laughs> then, when you're in like post production or and I don't, I'm saying words like I know what I'm talking about. But um, when you're you're meeting with the different crew members and the ones who this is their first experience with Down syndrome, are there follow up conversations happening? Like you're saying, where they're viewing something mm-hmm. a certain way, but then. We all know things like ableism are real and alive if you've never had to unmantle it before. Yeah. Or are those are these conversations that are happening in the background as well of this mm. is actually harmful to think this way or like, is that mm. happening? You're nodding your head. I am nodding my head because I think that's a really, it's a really important question. And that was really important to us in the production process as well. So that pre-production, I think, was very um, key for us was really sort of sitting down and having um, some very clear conversations with people about how to go about things uh we had a quite a set of guidelines in terms of um approach and how um we were going to be conducting um the filming process which was going to have some differences and making sure that um yeah it, it, i no. think i think that conversation that that um that you're referring to is so important and it was definitely a big part of the process on this show that made it different from other shows as well Mm -hmm. just in terms of you know sort of of diving in and taking a whole bunch of things for granted um we made sure that uh communication with participants um including release forms things like that were done in easy read as well as in standard format Mm -hmm. so you know we had those layers along the way um, to make sure we were trying to, we were trying as far as much as possible, trying to bring people along the journey with everyone together and mm-hmm. and with a clear kind of understanding. I'm curious how you how you knew to do that. Was it just instinctual, or that's because you worked on other projects like this? Because I don't think that that kind of thoughtfulness and intentionality, when it comes to honoring a a cast member with a disability, I don't know that that's always on the forefront mm-hmm. in productions. And you you're in this world much more than I've ever been. Um, what's been your experience with that? And then, yeah, how did you how did you know to do that? I think it was, you know, just being fortunate to work on other shows that are um, working with people with disabilities, including intellectual disabilities. Um, and then also, as I see, you know, sort of growing up in a world where disability was very much a part of that, um, including um, my sister being on the autism spectrum, um, and also um, then a sister who worked um, with a, specifically a Down syndrome organization. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I will say is that, you know, a large part of this was um, was consultation. And I have to give huge credit to um, to Zandra from who's the, the president of our um, New Zealand uh, National Down Syndrome Association, because um, Dan Buckingham, the executive producer, and I sat down with Sandra right at the beginning um, and then throughout as well and had so many conversations around ways to go about things um, and really, really gaining a lot of knowledge from her insights, um, which were beyond our own, um, her her insights into the community, into what worked for people, what didn't work for people, sometimes specific participants as well that she knew personally because she had worked with them over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, And also her own experiences. She has um, a son who is an adult now? He um, has Down syndrome. He's in a, in a mar- he's got a wonderful marriage. He's a very fulfilling relationship. Um, so I really, really, um, really valued that connection with Sandra and those conversations that we were able to have to really fully understand the situation before we started filming anything. Yeah. 
it shows in the in the show. It just shows that all of the that intentionality was there that you guys were thinking through, not just being intentional, but what was the impact of your actions or lack of actions. Um, it shows in the show, in my opinion, and it is very heartening to hear that that was taking place. So thank you, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. No, it does. It means a lot to us because, as I said, that was that was so key. Yeah. I guess that was yeah. We we held the ears. Okay, I have a I have another question that's it's not a controversial question, but maybe. Um, <laughs> so I I'm on this kick right now. This is all just going to get real personal here. I'm on this <laughs> kick right now. My oldest is 15, as I shared, mm. and she's not the kid, the 15 year old with Down syndrome who is going to make it on the cheer squad, or who has a skill set that's going to put her in front of a camera to mm-hmm. then be viewed as this is what Down syndrome is. If sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, we've done as a family, we've done some over the years, we've done some little production things here and there. Um, and our, I live near LA and I've got lots of friends who work in the industry in different realms, whatever, not a very teeny tiny bit, but I've had a taste I can say, and understand that when you need to have, there's certain characteristics that a person has when they are on a screen down syndrome or not right that's why yes. we get placed there and we are we have opportunities like a show like this where people are getting a taste of down syndrome or introduction even for the first time mm-hmm. ever and then now we create a definition of what down syndrome is but then there's a lot of kids like my mason my my daughter macy who is not going to be that ever and that's sure. okay if that makes sense so i guess this even yeah. goes back to casting of mm. when you're telling this story you're telling essentially you're telling micro stories with each cast member mm-hmm. um but then you're telling a macro story as well <laughs> yeah um i guess i don't even know what my question is how when you, when you were thinking through casting did it get brought up at all about who can't who can be cast who can't what does that mean for the larger community is that okay to ask yeah, it's absolutely okay to ask. It's such an interesting question. Um, and and it was a lot, yeah, we, did, we put a lot of thinking into this at the beginning because there were two things, as you say, there's so many layers to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and whenever you're casting a show, like you said, Down Syndrome or not, it's it, it's still relevant. Um, but each show has its particular set of, um, I guess, considerations as well. Um, this was something, again, that we talked to Zandra about Um and there are a lot of layers. I think one of the things we really wanted to convey through the show um, was diversity within Down syndrome because mm-hmm. so many times people um, with intellectual disabilities in general, but especially with Down syndrome, tend to get put lumped in one basket, right? And there's so much diversity of personality, of, you know, sort of so many things within uh, and interests and, and everything within in Down syndrome, just as there is within wider society and we really wanted to show that um but also i should say and not but but there was also considerations around uh safety and consent and also really really wanting to make sure that people all of our lead participants were really able to lead their own stories um and so one of the decisions that we made and again this was in consultation one of the decisions we made early on was that we wanted our participants to all be verbal and able to articulate their stories um, in a certain way. And that's not to say that people who are not verbal can't articulate their stories. There are ways to do that. But with this first season and also because of, you know, really wanting to make sure we were doing, we were able to fulfill our duty of care in the way that we had um, the resources to do. We wanted to make sure in this first season that people were able to articulate their own stories. They were able to stay in the lead of those stories. That we were able to really clearly off screen and on screen have conversations around things like consent and be certain that there was a level of understanding there. Um, and that was part of, I guess, the support, the the, the wraparound support. If that, I'm not sure if I'm making sense here because I've it sort of does. gone in different directions. But if, if yeah, if that's making sense to you, that was definitely something. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. Yeah. I think that it is as a, as a viewer, and this is just, again, where I'm at right now in the world with my daughter and watching Mm -hmm. and being in a, um, 
place of influence, even within the Down syndrome community itself as a storyteller and, and what I put into the world and, yeah. and understanding that we've, I feel like we've been telling the narrative wrong in that we've been saying like you, you kind of touched on, there's like a way to have Down syndrome. That's the best way. Whereas Down syndrome is yeah. very diverse. Yes. And so that I, th- I find where I'm at here in California that we're barely starting that conversation in the larger Down syndrome community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a conversation I think we have to be having because nobody outside of our community is having it. And then we, we need to be the ones to bring that to everyone's attention that there's not a best way to have Down syndrome that yeah. like, I think it is, this is where I, I feel about all this is it makes absolute sense why you cast how you did and what an honoring thoughtful thing to do. Like that's beautiful. And you can see that thought process. I'm so grateful you shared that. It's just like, yes, of course, because this is, this is a television show, you know, like this is a television show and there's pieces involved that you have to, you have to be a certain person to be on TV, period, Down syndrome or not, like we said. And the furthering the conversation, which I don't know on what platform that is saying it here and now, Mm that a child like Macy and a, or or the person with down syndrome who is nonverbal or the person with down syndrome who doesn't have the certain skill set is also worthy of love and having Absolutely. that conversation you know what i mean and also yeah. worthy of finding a relationship mm-hmm. and you don't just have to be a certain person and have certain skill set to be worthy of community and love and relationship and so i think it's yeah. a um fine line or a balance or um, I don't know what the word is that I'm trying to think yeah. of where we No, I absolutely hear what I absolutely hear what you're saying because you know, in, inherently in that process it leaves some people out, right? And it leaves right. some of that representation out. Um and so that was a it was a difficult decision, you know, and that was one that we had to talk around a lot. Um and I think what took priority in the end was just really ensuring that duty of care and that's mm-hmm. that's sort of um those safety measures that we could put in place, not only for the filming process itself, which is a demanding process, right? That can be difficult for anybody, um, regardless of disability. Um or, or not, you know, on any show, people taking part in a show, there, there are demands on them through that process. But then there's also the follow-up. So there's after the show goes to air, there's a whole other round of that where people are getting attention, they're getting feedback, they're getting people coming to them and reaching out to them and so forth. So we just, I think, really wanted to make sure that all of our um, participants were in a position, including the support around them, where they were really able to handle that. Um, So that did influence, yeah, the casting. It makes so much sense. I really appreciate you sharing that and having this conversation with me. I appreciate that so much. And I'm wondering when you're talking about um, like respecting your participants and privacy and, and then you're also, is there a balance? I mean, we've touched on this. So unless you have something else to say about it, like how do you strike that balance between authentic storytelling Mm -hmm. and then respecting privacy and dignity with an individual on these topics? Look, I mean, that, that's that's a million-dollar question. It's very sure. difficult. And it's not to say sure. that, you know, we're always going to get that right either. Um, but I think there were three kind of really key stages to that. One is that consultation in the first place um, with, you know, people like Xandra who have, you know, that sort of long-term insight, but then also with each, each individual family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the way that we go about shooting it in terms of the um, – yeah, I mean, you mentioned intentionality before that, and, it, it, and that was a key part of it. It's just really thinking about what we're shooting, why we're shooting it, and how we're shooting it. Um, so there's that. Um, but then also in the edit, there are choices that are made, um, sure. you know, where people might say something candid off camera. Uh, and sure, we want to find that that balance where we are um, using those moments and showing that sort of those natural um, things that come out, but we want to always be clear that we are, if, if we're using humor, that we are laughing with people, we're not at any point laughing at people. Yeah. So that those decisions in the edit process are, you know, were very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, um, National Down Syndrome Association was involved in that too. So they all saw, they saw the um, edit before they were locked off. And that was that's an unusual process. That doesn't usually happen. But mm-hmm. in this case, 
we felt that that was important so that they had an opportunity to feed back. Um, again, a lot of this was in lockdown. So a lot of it was me sitting on a Zoom with Xandra <laughs> watching, screen sharing and watching down the edit. Wow. And then Xandra had the opportunity to kind of go, you know what, actually that, that might come across in a way that's misunderstood. So we mm. were able to kind of go, okay, let's let's you know think about a different way of doing that yeah. uh, unusual process and uh, it's the only show you know where I've ever done that but um it was it was very helpful and uh, yeah I valued it yeah mm-hmm. do you have a moment that stands out for you from beginning to end even up to now um in the <laughs> as the show's come out and its popularity is there a moment that's like tucked away in your heart that was just so precious that you would share with us or a highlight there are so many there are so many I mean the show is <laughs> it really does you know stay with me um there are so many without wanting to give away any spoilers I think one of the one of the moments and it won't even when you're watching it necessarily be a huge moment for everybody but there was one particular participant who went right the way through the show and we had really really struggled to find the right match for him we were trying so hard such a wonderful person he has so much to offer and we were struggling to find someone who really was at that right level and was going to connect with him in the right way that he was going to really appreciate um and our casting you know we were struggling we were going through you know so many different people trying to find that perfect match um and we really rolled the dice on the last you know sort of option and we weren't sure until the day literally till the day that we were filming we really weren't sure how it was going to go everyone was crossing their fingers (laughs) and then that moment when they first saw each other and they so sweetly both very shy people and the way they so sweetly connected in what was actually quite a nonverbal way mm-hmm. um, where you could just really see their um, affection for each other and that they're really just getting each other on this level that nobody else was, you know, sort of really part of. It was very much just between them. Just that moment um, really stayed stayed with me. Yeah. Um, and and with everybody, we were all just, you know, behind the scenes and and on the people who were there in the moment. Everyone was just like, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I love yeah. I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, I've, I just have a couple more questions here, and you've been so patient and kind with me. I'm, no, no. When you created Down for Love and even in, in, in the aftermath of it as it's come out, what kind of impact do you hope that it has when it comes to changing perceptive, perceptions mm. about people with Down syndrome? I think, you know, like we talked about before, one of the things we really wanted to do with this show was really show that there's so much diversity within Down syndrome, that Down syndrome is not one thing, it's not one person, there's so much diversity like there is, you know, in society in general. Um, and so that is definitely one message. And as you say, you know, that that's not it, it's not perfect. You know, there are definitely people that you were not represented within that short space of time. But we did want that message to come through, at least mm-hmm. as, as a starting point to that conversation. Yeah. Um, I think also that love and romance and desire is universal. Mm. That most, not all, but most people have that regardless of disability um, and including people with intellectual disability have just as much right to explore that um, and to fulfill that as, as anybody else. Um, I think, you know, as you say, there's so much ableism in society, we tend to approach that either in a patronizing way or, you know, often what is really well-intentioned overprotective um, way, um, which has prevented people from being able to um, explore those things for themselves. So that was another message that we really wanted Mm -hmm. to be frank about that conversation and have that conversation um, and really, yeah, sort of honor that for people. I appreciate you saying that as a parent watching it with my kids being young and Mer- Mike and Mercedes and I on our earlier episode talk about this, that there is this sense when my, when my child has an intellectual disability of like definitely leaning towards overprotection yeah. and how that overprotection can very easily deny her of her human rights. And I, and of course, as a parent, not of course, for me, of course, as a parent, I don't want that for her at all. I want her to have a full human experience in her life and I'm so grateful for the show for that reason too, for parents like me, because I know I'm not alone in it, watching it and being like, mm. whoa, I've never thought about this. Or to even say, this makes me so uncomfortable, like at yeah. least to admit it. And because yeah. you have to be able to admit something before you can do anything about it and mm. have that understanding and then realize, yes, if this is what my child wants, and most likely they do, mm. 
I might be uncomfortable the whole way through, but that yeah. does, shouldn't deny them. Right. And that, and like, how right. do we make sure that we give, that we don't hold our kids back from these opportunities that we might not even realize we're holding our kids back from because we get so like, you know, uncomfortable about it. <laughs> right. But it's so challenging, right? Like for any parent, sure. again, regardless when you're parenting, um, whether or not your child or your children have disability or are neurotypical or are living with any condition, regardless, it's a sure. difficult conversation at any point. It's just that the age at which that happens, you know, is probably going to be different for different people. But it's a, it's challenging. We're, we're naturally programmed to protect, um, you know, our children wherever possible and it's i think especially those of us who grew up in um, perhaps a more conservative um right. environment <laughs> and and in an era where things were talked about less frankly yes. as well it's uncomfortable um but it doesn't mean it's not happening and it doesn't mean those desires are going to happen you know are not going to happen or are not going to be explored in ways that are perhaps less safe if we don't have the conversation so um, I think, yeah, we just really wanted to be uh, um, upfront about that. And uh, you'll see, you know, sort of as, as you've talked about in, in, your, um, in your previous episode, there is a conversation there that is, you know, sort of directly had about, um, you know, it's quite frank with a, with a coach about um, the ins and outs of things and literally birds and bees, but also um, consent. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a wonderful organisation that we worked with there who do, you know, their, their whole intention is to make, sexuality accessible um to to people um so they're very you know they have a, a lot of expertise in that area um so we were we were able to work alongside them but yeah it's it's such an important and challenging conversation yeah mm. as a parent it was such a gift for you to bring that alongside i mean it, in incorporate that whole conversation was it was a gift it really was it was um it changed how we move forward in the world and like i'm oh. so i'm just so grateful i'm so grateful for the whole show, I'm grateful for that aspect specifically, making me, letting me be uncomfortable, <laughs> helping me, helping me be uncomfortable with something that I want, I want to know more about, you know, I want to yeah. be, to support as mm. best I can as my kids get older and not mm. be acting like nothing's going to happen when it comes to their romantic love with others, if that's what absolutely. they want. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. It, it means a lot to hear that. Mm. Okay. Robin, you are, you're amazing. You're such a treasure. I want you to be involved in every single film ever made um, <laughs> moving forward, especially, okay. Especially content people who want to create, I guess, any kind of content, but you're specifically in film about down syndrome. Like what advice would you give? What is your 60 second Ted talk? And then maybe <laughs> do, a, do a Ted talk, but what advice would you give to people who want to showcase down syndrome in the media? in some some avenue that's such an interesting question and I, look i mean i can only speak to what i have learned myself personally um you know there's no one way of doing things but in, in terms of what, what i've learned personally i mean the down syndrome community as you know is so wonderful it's so full of people who are incredibly um welcoming and warm and are going to you know be willing to share their stories and there are so many powerful stories within um, the community. I think what's important to me um, is that people are allowed to lead their own stories. I think quite often mm-hmm. we see mm-hmm. um, narratives or you see voiceover, which is really telling the story for someone, um, despite them taking part in it. And I think that that is quite key. It's just allowing people to tell their own stories as much as possible. Um, and and there is, as you say, there are people who are nonverbal, and there are ways of still doing that within, um, you know, that spectrum as well. Um, but it is really just sort of not, yeah, telling telling story for for people. But I think consultation is so important too with the community, so that you're not sort of working outside of that or assuming things from an, from a labelist point of view. But there's also like legitimate conversation and ongoing actual yeah, um, collaboration with the community. It's not just sort of tokenistic. Um, and again, it's also wraparound support. So, you know, I was able to really benefit from the um, from the community in terms of their um, their support and their openness and their frankness and their, their uh, you know, ability to kind of flag things and go, hey, you know, this is what's important. So there are so many things within that. And, and like I said, there's not, there's not one way of doing things, but... Um, yep. You know, we can all we can all only go on our own learnings. But um, right. yeah, I'm so pleased that it, um, some of that came across for you, and that yeah, that's that's certainly super meaningful. 
yeah, it all it all came across. It feels like listening to it. it um, it's like putting all these puzzle pieces together. Of course, that's why the show <laughs> came across the way it did. Like you, it doesn't just happen. You were so intentional, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful that you shared all that behind the scenes. And I think that it's brilliant. I think you're brilliant, and I I hope that people are listening. And um, the show is so good, but I'm also just grateful that you are in the world putting stories out there because. I just really appreciate your take on all of it. So thanks for joining us a whole day ahead behind. I forget listeners. I am in California (laughs) and it is November. What is this for me? November 1st. And it is November 2nd for where we did it. We're in the future. We're in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Honestly, it's it's such an honor to to speak with you and um, yeah, very much enjoy your podcast. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, thanks for taking the time. It is an honor. The honor is all ours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. We're going to take a break and be right back. This week's episode is sponsored by Able Now, tax advantage savings accounts for eligible individuals with disabilities. Ready to learn more about Able accounts? With Able Now's live webinars, you'll discover the advantages of Able accounts and the National Able Now program. Hear directly from experts as they answer all your questions about this financial tool for people with disabilities. On the Able Now website, you'll also find past webinars available on demand, as well as latest news and savings accounts on the Able Now blog. These free resources will help you understand the ins and outs of tax advantaged Able Now accounts. Learn how Able Now is helping eligible individuals and their families in all 50 states save for the future without endangering certain disability benefits such as Medicaid and SSI. Feel prepared to start investing in your future or your eligible child's future with Able Now. Register for an upcoming webinar and learn more about Able Now accounts at ablenow.com. I don't know about you guys, but planning for the future has always been overwhelming for me. I am overwhelmed by the details of investments, savings accounts, and trusts. I spent a lot of moments afraid of a future that I often don't know how to plan for. And having a child with a disability can make all of those things feel so much bigger and more terrifying. That's why Enable Special Needs Planning exists. They provide families with simple solutions and a unique approach to special needs planning. When Chris and I met with our team at Enable, they talked to us about so much more than ACE's needs. They talked about our dreams as a couple and as a family. They worked with us around the savings we were creating for our other children. And they gave us the kind of expert advice we needed to feel secure and prepared. Enable wants to help you create a comprehensive plan for your entire family. Find out more at EnableSNP.com. Robin, I know I've said it already, but cannot thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you, friends. If you are a listener here, head on over to theluckyfew.co. Use code podcast to get 10% off all narrative shifting gear. Christmas is coming, y'all. We have Christmas shirts over there too. Um, With like, that are Down syndrome specific. I think you'll love them or lucky few specific, we should say, which is Down syndrome specific. Anyway, Josh Avis, thank you for editing this episode. Ashley Fracalosi for producing it. If you liked this episode, share it with family and friends. Don't forget to subscribe, head over to the lucky podcast.com. Check out our show notes. You can see a picture of Robin over there. There's going to be links to anything else we talked about today and be sure to follow on social media at the lucky few pod listener. You know, what comes next. You're slaying it. Just laying it. We are here for you, cheering you on. We love you so much, and we can't wait to be together on another episode. Until then, love on. <laughs>